Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 25. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. We've got your Eagles-Redskins preview here for uh, Monday Night Football next week. Normally, we uh, I was just going to say Sunday, because that's kind of a reflex, but <laughs> Eagles and Washington playing on Monday night. And joining me to break this thing down, as he does every week, is the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, we're recording this as the Cowboys are playing the Saints right now, and this is not going well, man. No, it is not. Um, <laughs> the Saints, as of, as we're starting here, about uh, like eight minutes left in the third quarter. The Cowboys are up 13-3. to Saints offense just completely no showing. Running the Eagles offensive playbook clearly tonight. Not a not a really good decision yeah. by New Orleans to do that, obviously. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll react more. Uh, hopefully, you know, with some better news later in the game. But I just want to start off the podcast here, John, by saying I was wrong. Uh, I did not pick the Eagles to beat the Giants, of course, last week. I did take them. Mm-hmm. I did take mm-hmm. the Giants to cover. I think that was an obvious yeah. bet. Yeah, we both did. Uh, we mm-hmm. both did. But I did not take them to win, and you did. You had the confidence, so I want to give you the credit there to start off the show. Well, thank you, buddy. Yeah, no, I was just I I would say that it was a lot of skill, but it was mostly just blind luck. And having seen that game in my head played out before a million times before, I mean, how many times have Eagles Giants games come down to a last minute field goal? You know, I mean, it just it just had that feeling. These these games in Philadelphia, they almost always seem to be close to the end. So. I won't take too much credit. I just I'm I'm more of a history tends to repeat itself kind of guy. But we'll look ahead now. I mean, you know, here's here's the thing. After that Giants game, BLG, I know they won, and it was a great comeback victory. It was obviously a, a win that they needed. It looked like they were going to get in that first half. It looked like they were going to get steamrolled by the Giants in their home stadium, and that the season was going to end on Sunday. And then they found a way to to come back against a not very good Giants team and squeak out a, a last-second field goal and win that game. I know people are feeling better that the season's not over, that there's still something to play for here, but what is your confidence level in this football team right now as we get ready to play Washington on Monday night? Yeah, it's not super high. I mean, how could it be? They, they barely beat the Giants. They're a bad team. I mean, I don't want to give them no credit. They do deserve credit. Like, they won the game, obviously. They stepped up. Yeah. If And here's the thing. You, I And I was touching on this with Kist on the postgame show if that team did roll over and quit when they were down 19 to 3, we would be killing Doug Peterson. Like, he would oh, be getting yeah. killed this week, and rightfully so. But they didn't. And I think that, you know, that that's not insignificant. Like, Give him credit. They still, yeah. I know they barely beat a bad Giants team, but they did beat them. Like, so they, they did step up when it counted. I think the leadership on this team, which, uh, you know, I think it's an angle that maybe I don't give enough attention to, but it, it was really important. Like, Malcolm Jenkins stepped up. He was the one who. You know, went over to Jim Schwartz and said, hey, we need to simplify this defense because things are not working right now. 
And that's the kind of stuff you want to see here. And, you know, give the coaches credit, too, for listening, because, you know, although it's the player making the recommendation, not all coaches are going to be that receptive always to players, you know, saying they know what's best. So I give Jim Schwartz credit for listening and adjusting. So uh, those are some positive signs to see. It was everything fixed. Is everything perfect now? No, I don't know how anyone could say that. But, you know, there were some positives to take away, such as the run game actually got going for once. Yeah. And they actually stuck with one running back who was able to be productive. I know Josh Adams only finished like 3.8 yards per carry, but some of those runs I feel like were uh, – that's kind of – the total was brought down a little bit by the end of the game there when they're they're running yeah. in an obvious situation. So, But, but he, overall, had that, he had that long touchdown run called back did. too. That would have been a and huge game for him. And he like he just showed juice like in his leg. Yeah. Like, you saw like this wasn't just him always being blocked up, you know, these, like these huge running lanes to work with. He he was making guys miss. Uh, he was getting yards after contact. That was really nice to see. And that's mm -hmm. something hopefully the Eagles will be able to kind of utilize here moving forward. I don't really think that's going to work. Like, it's, you're not going to ride that to the Super Bowl, just like running the ball and trying to hide the defense. And that's just yeah. not how this specific team is built. But I think you, the, the positive to take away from that isn't just the running game itself, but the offensive line. Like, the offensive line is going to play that well. Like, again, the 2017 Eagles won the Super Bowl largely in part because their trenches were the best on both mm -hmm. sides of the football last year. And yeah. it's clearly not the same this year, and I don't expect it to be. But if they can get better line play, I mean, that's what you want to see. And that's what, what will give them a chance here, presumably, hopefully, down the stretch. So, overall... Uh, I don't really know how you can feel great about this team, but I certainly feel better than I did last week. Yeah, I don't feel great about this team either, but I, I do think that this was a game basically, and I think um, I, I think you or, or Mike mentioned this on the show, or maybe it was a, a Kisten Solak show right after, but th this was a game that the Eagles had lost earlier this year. They where you know they were in the Giants' position. They you know the Tennessee game and uh, the Carolina game. They were in control of those two games, and, and those two teams came back to beat them. And this one, the Giants were in total control of that game last week, and the Eagles managed to figure out a way to do it. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, this was a this is a not-good Giants team that they had to struggle and dig down deep and, and figure out a way to do it. And they have some excuses. They, they have serious injury issues in the secondary, which was a major problem last week. Um, we're going to get into the injury report here in just a few minutes because I think there is a little bit of relief on the way. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think you can't feel great about this team, especially as we're sitting here watching Dallas play right now. And uh, I think we saw them come into Philadelphia a couple weeks ago and really lay it on the Eagles. It seems as though Dallas is ahead of where Philadelphia is right now. But uh, as far as things go, you know, it's, we were talking about it last week. If if the Saints can somehow figure out a way to come back and, and beat Dallas in this game and the Eagles go out and, and really beat a, a Washington team that is as vulnerable as they have been all year right now, BLG, they are back They are back in the saddle here in the NFC East. These next two weeks are going to be absolutely crucial. These next two weeks, we've, we've, we've said must win a number of times. These two weeks, BLG, are the season. Yeah, I mean, it's not even over here if the Cowboys beat the Saints. Because if you, I mean, the Eagles, let, right. let me, don't get me wrong. It's not like a good it thing. Good. <laughs> it's, it's not like, uh, you know, it's wide open still. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying it's not over. Because if you look at it, if the Eagles beat Washington on Monday Night Football and then they beat the Cowboys on uh, next Sunday, they're going to be 7-6. and six. Assuming the Cowboys 
keep on to the lead tonight, they would also be seven and six. So both teams would be seven and six. And the Eagles would have the tiebreaker in divisional games because the Eagles would be four and one and the Cowboys would be three and two at that point. So they'd be first in the NFC East, even even if they win yeah. these next two games. Now, you know, easier said than done because, you know, beating Washington looks doable on paper, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to just write them off. They're they're six and five, and they're still playing for the division. Like, they're not going to just yeah. come in here and fold. I don't see that happening. And uh, as far as Dallas goes, I mean, if the Saints are struggling down here at AT and T Stadium, uh, that doesn't guarantee the Eagles are. But I mean, man, like this is the best offense in the league, scoring 40 points like in and out with with effortlessly week to week. And I mean, <laughs> so you're gonna. How well, do you I mean, feel Dal- good about Dallas's the Eagles? defense is legit, BLG. I, I think good. that's one. Of, yeah, that's one of my takeaways. That, that, that's a good defense. It's a really good defense. The offense is still not great. I think they're averaging no, something like two points a drive here. Like it's not good. And that, but that matters. Like that alone can you know somewhat keep you in the game because if you get a you know defensive score or you know special team, like if something fluky, you know if if the defense is going to keep the game low scoring, like something can happen. It's not like. I'd rather much face, you know, like a good defense like that than a juggernaut offense like the Saints, yeah. like we saw a couple yeah. of weeks ago, because the Eagles just can't hang with that team. Maybe they can get ugly and kind of hang with a, a bad team that's going to play in a low-scoring game. Um, so just just a thought there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just looking into Washington, because really, you know, that's all the Eagles can worry about right now. Mm-hmm. They, they, right. they have to take care of business there first. Um, interesting stat to me, kind of, that, this Washington team is 0-5 in games where their opponent scores more than 17 points this year. So it's that simple, <laughs> Eagles. Just score 18 points at least and you win the game. But uh, that says something. For as much as we talk about how this Eagles offense isn't good and it is not good, uh, the Washington offense is not much better. Like not not very good at all, actually. I mean, they rank like 28th, 27th uh, in yards per play offensively. They're, they're 28th in points. Uh, they're not a good offense. And that, you know, those numbers were generated mostly with Alex Smith starting. And we all know Alex Smith is better, obviously, than Colt McCoy, who, boy, Colt McCoy did not look good on Thanksgiving. No, I don't know if no. you saw him, John, but like. Oh, yeah. Not only did he throw three picks, but those picks were like really bad. Like they were just they were thrown awful. like pretty much like right to the defender or. They're, they were just terrible. So, uh, you know, he has some experience. He's not one of the worst backups in the league, but I'm not putting him up, you know, towards the top either. I think he's right around middle of the pack, maybe a little bit higher than that. So, uh, you know, this, this Washington offense is bad too, and that's good, you know, going into a matchup where, you know, this Eagles defense is banged up. I know they're getting some guys back here, hopefully, potentially, but even still, you know, there's a lot of injuries, uh, and hopefully – you know, that'll give the, the Eagles a chance to, to win here where they really don't even have to. Um, they might not even need a big offensive game if the defense can kind of just hold things together here. Well, we're going to break down uh, all the different individualized matchups. We'll talk a little bit more about Colt McCoy coming up here in a, in a few minutes. First, I, I did want to get your thoughts about uh, the controversial Reuben Foster thing uh, with Washington this week, BLG. Uh, for, for folks who have not been following this closely, Reuben Foster is a 49ers linebacker cut by the Niners last week after he was arrested for domestic battery. He was claimed off waivers by the Redskins. They were the only team to claim him. And Doug Williams uh, in uh, with a, to a DC radio station was trying to defend the signing BLG and Awful. said, we've got people who are in high, high, mm. high places that have done far worse. And if you look at it realistically, they're still up there. This is small potatoes compared to oh a lot of gosh. things out there. Talking about domestic battery. What is he I doing? Mean, what is that quote? What is quote? he thinking? 
What? That's horrible. I, I would not have seen. I would not have seen that coming from Doug Williams. You know, that's, I just that's terrible. That's like yeah. the worst thing you could have said. Almost <laughs> one of the it worst is. things you could have said. That is that's horrible. That totally underscores how much of a joke this Washington organization is. Uh, apparently, you know, well, the report is out there that the Eagles were the only team to actually even investigate to the Tampa police into this foster thing, which tells you that the, the team that claimed him didn't even do it. Like, what is that? Yeah. And then, and then they, they, you know, in, in the statement that Washington released after claiming foster, they talk about how they, you know, they had talked to some of the Alabama players and I think they have like eight Alabama players or seven on the team. So they have a lot of them, but they didn't even talk to like two of the biggest ones, which would be um, the defensive lineman, Jonathan Allen. And uh, who else? I can't remember what the other guy's name is now, but like two of the most notable Alabama players on their team, uh, I think it was I think it was Haha Clinton Dix. They didn't even talk oh, to yeah. those guys. Like, so it makes you wonder. Like, okay, if you didn't talk to those guys, who did you talk to? Yeah, so right. That 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 whole thing is just like man, and just you know, just just the fact that like teams are like you're you're gonna rush to claim Ruben Foster, but like Colin Kaepernick. You know, can't get signed, and apparently with right. Bruce Allen down in Washington, I saw like he has a personal vendetta. <coughs> excuse me, against Kaepernick, and I had seen like he had sworn that they would never sign him, which like okay, whatever. Um, but then they're they're gonna rush out and sign or, or claim Ruben Foster like as fast as they possibly can. Like that's just it's just gross. It's sickening. Yeah. Like no, innocent to proven guilty. I get it, but like come yeah. on. Well, I mean, I, I guess I also am kind of a little put off by the Eagles even bothering to contact the Tampa police. I, I give them <laughs> credit for, for doing that, but why would you even want to take that step? You know, why yeah. why, why, go, why go that far? I mean, just 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 forget about the guy. Don't don't you don't want it anywhere near your team. I mean, I, I, I I'm glad they did their due diligence and decided right. not to put in a claim. I think that's. I think that's smart, and if you just want to say that it's just checking all your boxes to make mm-hmm. sure, then okay. But to, I also I, it's it does say something to me too that twenty nine other teams didn't even bother with that step; they didn't yeah. want anything to do with the guy. So that's a fair point. Know. That's fair. Um, it's not. A, I don't think you know. I don't think you can get like outraged about it just because like they didn't. Yeah, no. They clearly. Well, first of all, they passed over him in the draft, so they clearly had no intention of drafting him, at least in the first right. round. Because this wasn't um, his first incident for people who aren't aware yes. of of getting in yeah. trouble. So yeah, yeah, and and then they they didn't claim him. You know, clearly. So it's not like you can't be like, oh, they wanted him. Like, no, they didn't uh, ultimately. Yeah. But. And, you know, I would, you know, I would hope they do homework on every player pretty much and any player just, you know, so they know because I don't know, try to get all the information. Like, I I don't think like more information to me, like never hurts, you know, like what's the cost of it? It's just someone who it's taking someone's time. Like that's the cost and that's fine. Like they're getting paid, like do your job, find out what's the deal is and okay, it's not looking good. Okay. We can pass on this. Like I'm fine with that. So, uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I think it's a fair point. Uh, one other bit of news before we get into the injury report, and I don't have you. I, you might be able to to pull this up before I'm able to grab it here. But um, the Eagles, uh, we knew that they had interest in Jets wide receiver Robbie Anderson around the trade deadline, uh, but we didn't know exactly what kind of compensation they were talking about with New York. Uh, it was reported uh, on on Thursday that the Eagles offered a fourth round pick for 
for Anderson, who's a stretch the field guy, and the Jets turned down that deal, which makes sense given the fact that they'll probably get a, a better draft pick in compensation if they don't re-sign Anderson. But And Anderson's not having a great year for New York. He's got 23 catches for 368 yards and three touchdowns uh, on pace for a 33-catch, 535-yard season. That's coming off a 941-yard, seven-touchdown season last year. And he's he's that field stretcher that uh, we were saying the Eagles really needed if they were going to get a, a wide receiver. And instead, they gave a third-round pick to for Golden Tate, who is certainly a more accomplished wide receiver, but is a little bit redundant with what the Eagles already have right now. So what are your what are your thoughts on, on this revelation about a fourth-round pick offer for Robbie Anderson? Yeah, I mean, the Jets had no reason to accept that, basically, because, you know, they have Darnold here. Why you want to get rid of weapons? Um, and Robbie Anderson's a restricted free agent after this season, which means it's pretty easy to retain him at a cheap yeah. contract for at least for at least the one more year here. So um, not, a, not a total shocker to me that they turned that down. But it's it's just weird because it's like, okay, like you were kind of talking about, okay, if you're willing to give up a third for Golden Tate, who – you know, as you said, is a more established player, but doesn't necessarily give you the skill set that you're ideally looking for. But you're really not willing to give that up for Robbie Anderson, who, again, would still be a restricted free agent. So he'd be easier to control, too. I know he's not as proven and productive, but he's also younger and you could also keep him beyond this year. Whereas, you know, you know, you knew Tate is going to be a free agent. So like that's kind of part of the equation there. Uh, you can also say that, OK, because Robbie Anderson is going to be a restricted free agent, you know, you're not going to be able to get, get a comp pick for him. So that's part yeah. of the, the whole thing. But yeah, kind of, it's just, I just wish the Eagles had someone who could freaking make a play like deep down the field. <laughs> and as I yeah. just said that, uh, the Saints have scored a touchdown here. So presumably it'll be 10 to 13 as they're trailing, um, assuming they make the extra point. So, um, but yeah. Good like job, just, New Orleans. Keep going, someone baby. Who can that's make right. A, <laughs> someone who can make a play. Like, and I think that's what they ultimately were aiming for with the Tate trade. And I get it because right, I was right. looking at their yards after contact numbers for both like receivers and running backs. And they're all horrible. Like unsurprisingly, yeah. I yeah. feel like this Eagles team is the most tackleable team in the league. Like, well, they, well, Zach like, Ertz gets about three quarters of all the catches. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's part of it. Yeah. That's part of it. But even like you looked at the, the Corey Clement run. You know, yeah. last week where he gets wide open field and he can't make the safety miss. Like, come on, man. Like, you, someone needs to break that big pay like that. And, by the way, Deuce was getting on him on that. I don't know if you saw, but uh, the Eagles no, released a, a video with, like, Deuce and Ike Reese. And they were breaking down some of the big plays from the Giants game. And that was one of them. And Deuce was not happy <laughs> with Corey getting tackled <laughs> there. He's like, you got to make a miss, man. Like, that's the – like, he's like, we can get you here. Like, the offensive line can get you into this open space. But once you're there, like, you need to get us into the end zone. So, yeah. but that's yeah. something they lack. They just, they don't have those playmakers and uh, that's frustrating to see. So when you think about like, oh, they could have gotten Robbie Anderson, uh, you know, kind of hurts to not have someone like that. And and maybe the Eagles can get Mike Wallace back. We don't know yet. Doug said, he's, uh, Doug said both Mac Hollins and him are doing well, quote unquote, but they are also not ready to return just yet. You know, it's only a couple more weeks. We're running out of season, man. So, so um, <laughs> come on, guys. So, yeah, I don't know when they're going to be back, but uh, that's that's a, a huge thing. I feel like that's hurt this year because you know you can talk about okay, Nelson Aguilar can beat some guys deep, but like Kenny, like is he that yeah. guy? I mean, maybe occasionally, but not like regularly. That's not someone you can just count on to do that. Clearly. Uh, so I think that's a, a big thing that's hurt this year. It's just it's not having that game-breaking threat. I mean, look at the other teams around the league who are scoring 
and have these like like Brandon Cooks on the Rams or Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs. Yeah. Like they have these guys who can make plays down the field and, and the Eagles just don't really have that. So it would have been great to get Robbie Anderson, but ultimately uh didn't happen and now they're just gonna have to figure it out somewhere else. All right, well, let's talk about the players they actually do have here at BLG. We'll go over the injury report here, and we actually have a little bit of good news on the injury report. It looks as though the secondary is going to get at least a couple of guys back. Uh, Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas both practiced on Thursday. Things are looking good uh, for those two guys to make it back into the lineup. However, uh, Jalen Mills and Avante Maddox did not practice on Thursday, so it looks like at least... Two of the four are going to be able to make it back on the field for... And did I say Sunday? I meant for Monday night. I think I said Sunday. Yeah, naturally going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> So it's looking encouraging early on in the week um, to get Douglas and Jones back after, you know, and also Sullivan to just be active because they're so corner depleted in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a good thing because, you know, they're pretty much without their top five last week because Douglas was only active on an emergency basis. He played two snaps and he, I was watching him in warmups to see like if he could even run around and he wasn't. Like, he was like oh, very yeah. like walking around and jogging because he clearly just was not healthy. I mean, he didn't practice all week last week, so he's clearly not healthy. And that's something to be concerned about this week a little bit. Uh, even those guys are returning. You know, if I'm Washington, I go after them right away to see just how healthy they are. Um, it's good that their full participation is probably a little bit better than I would have expected right out of the jump. So that's good mm-hmm. to see. Um, Darren Sproles, are we going to get him back? Darren Sproles, really? Uh, yeah, back in practice on Thursday. Limited. I think limited, but, <laughs> but hey, we'll take it. Better than nothing. Yeah. Um, I know Josh Adams is heating up, and that's great. Uh, but I still would like to see a, a potential role for Darren Sproles as a role player in here. And again, as we've said, even if you're just bringing him in to be a pass protector, like that is great. Yeah. I would love that. So, uh, and but maybe you even, know what, you, you know what this team has really missed BLG it's weapons, receiving the ball out of the backfield. That's yeah. always been a staple of this offense. And you just, they have not had that at all this season. And that's been a big miss. And that's been a, a luxury for this team for years because you had, yeah. you had Westbrook and then you had right. Shady. Like, it yeah. was just like a given, you know what I mean? Like you didn't even think about it. It's like, oh yeah, we have running backs who can catch the ball, even beyond those guys like Buckhalter, and yeah. uh, and then obviously getting Sproles. So to not have that, I agree. And it's been just the backfield in general has obviously been not very good. It's been a disaster. The fact that Wendell Smallwood was getting so much playing time on this team, and now against the Giants, he didn't even get a single touch, and rightfully so. That says a lot. Like, like the, yeah. they were yeah. trotting this guy out and making him be their guy. For a big part of the season here. Um, and for the second season in a row, he has been phased out of the rotation. So please, Eagles, like, no more after this year. Like, it's the <laughs> second year in a row. Like, how many more times does it, we, do we need to see this? Like, you know, uh, it's kind of funny. I, when I think of Wendell Smallwood, I think of a guy who's been here for like six or seven years. Feels I like keep it. forgetting he was drafted in the same draft as Carson Wentz, for crying out loud. Yeah. It's crazy. Fifth, fifth um, round pick. It feels like he was here left over from the Andy Reid era. It's been so <laughs> it's been so it's been long, too at least long. the Chip Kelly. And nothing oh personal, but just like come yeah. on. Come on, guys. Yeah. It's time to move on. So uh elsewhere we, in the injury report, um mm-hmm. I just wanted to highlight that uh you know, you said you're still gonna be without Mills, Maddox, Hicks. Doug said Hicks is gonna be out the longest of those three, so I don't even know when we'll that see Hicks again. Good. Yeah. Um, Bennett is out, but he told Les Bowen that he sounds like uh, he he thinks he's going to be able to play. So that's encouraging. The Eagles need him. Mm-hmm. They need to they get do. pressure. You wrote the great column this week, John, about how Thank you, pal. one of the few good moves, probably the only good move really in, of consequence at least, yeah. um, is getting Bennett, this, having him. Yeah, there. I mean, 
you could argue Josh Adams signing him as an unrestricted free agent, but I mean, of course, we've had like one game of Josh Adams being a really productive player so far. So yeah, uh, that's generous to to count that in the win column. (laughs) I'm not so I didn't. That's why I didn't in the in the piece for for Bleeding Green. But it's you know you you look at Haloni Nada that hasn't worked out. Mike Wallace hasn't worked out. Um, the the trade for Golden Tate hasn't worked out. I mean, it's just. They've had a mix of bad luck and, and poor foresight in a lot of these different places. But, I mean, listen, a fifth-round pick for the production that Michael Bennett is giving and you, you got is, a seventh is back, huge. Too. Yeah, yeah, and you get a seventh back. And now the question becomes with, with Bennett is, is what you do next year with him because he's under contract for a couple more seasons. But this is a team that's $12 million uh, over the cap right now, the way things look without any kind of restructuring or anything like that. And if they don't bring Michael Bennett back, that's $7 million off the cap. Um, but that means then, okay, do you re-sign Brandon Graham? Uh, Chris Long is probably going to retire. I mean, you're going to lose some guys probably on the defensive line. And he's playing so well, you do have him under contract. And maybe you can figure out a, a way to keep him. That's, I guess the question is going to be, BLG, is it going to come down to Brandon Graham or Michael Bennett this offseason? Oh, so tough. Um, I'm not even ready to be there, part of me, just because. Yeah, you know, I know. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a fair question. I'm not saying it's unfair. Uh, it's just, it's going to kill me to, I, I just don't think I can bring myself to say, don't have Brandon Graham on this team. Like, how could I say that? We have the same initials, most importantly. Yeah. <laughs> um, he made he's the he made the biggest play in Eagles history. Like it kills me yeah. to to not yeah. to not. But I mean, uh, I can't I, be I, sentimental about these things. Yeah, yeah. And, and he he's been you know I know he's been dealing with some injury issues this year, and that's probably affected his production level a little bit. But he hasn't been as as dominant a player as he was last year. He's been okay, but mm-hmm. um, you but, don't hear his name called during the game much this no. year. But maybe the market won't be so crazy for him because of that. You know, maybe yeah. teams are like, oh, you know, didn't like the production there. Uh, the last time he was on the market, a lot of people thought he was going to get a lot bigger deal than he did and and thought that he had no chance of returning to the Eagles, who at the time, by the way, were still running a 3-4. And, you know, him being clearly a 4-3 defensive end, like everyone thought he was going to leave. And it, it shocked us all to see him be back. So maybe uh, I'm not going to say he's going to take a major hometown discount, but if now, the market really isn't all that great out there anyway. I think he genuinely likes it here. And I think, you know, he would be primed to stay, you know, if the money is yeah. close at all. So maybe it's possible that he doesn't get some kind of crazy. Maybe you kind of let him test the market like they did, I think, yeah. last time. And there's there's nothing crazy out there. He kind of comes back on a more reasonable deal. I think that could be possible. Um, and what I would like to see it, honestly. Uh, and then with Bennett, I mean, you're, you're probably going to have to rework that contract somehow. Because right now, it's just the cap hits pretty high. And there's no guaranteed money. So you could also, it would also, you know, incentivize him to kind of give him some more security in that sense. Like, hey, we'll lower your cap figure, but we'll give you some more guaranteed money, possibly even beyond uh, the 2019 season, if he's going to be able to be productive and and look this way. So uh, it's going to be a tough decision to make, but uh, just keeping it within this season, I mean, again, like they need Bennett here (laughs) because he is, he's been productive and he's coming up big and, you know, this pass rush rotation, I'm kind of worried about it going down the stretch in some ways yeah, because it wasn't as deep as it was last year. So you have guys like Brandon Graham who it hasn't, you know, not only has he been less effective overall or at least less productive in terms of numbers, but he's also playing more snaps. So like that's mm-hmm. more concerning because he's playing more and he's not producing as much. And you kind of wonder how that's going to be, you know, affect the guys down the stretch. Now, 
I think getting Jernigan back is nice in that regard, just for the defensive line in general, you know, to have him back in there. And hopefully you can kind of ramp him up a little bit down the stretch. Like as we said last week, we didn't expect him to be full go against the Giants, and he wasn't. He only played on a limited uh, workload there. He didn't even record a stat in the game, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, right. He had zero stats, which, okay, it's his first game back. You know, not a, the huge, the biggest deal there. But uh, so hopefully you can kind of get this defensive line uh, more more of a rotation here, but you just don't have the guys. Like they, they clearly don't trust in Josh Sweat to really give him any kind of meaningful playing time in this rotation. So it's mostly just BG, Bennett, and Chris Long. And those are all older guys too. So that's something you have to worry about going down the stretch here. Yeah, you're hoping Derek Barnett recovers from his injury well enough to really establish himself next year as one of the few young defensive ends on this team because, like you said, just about all of them are on the older side of things here. Um, One other area of concern as far as the injury front is concerned is uh, Nigel Bradham, who uh, we found out broke three bones in his thumb or broke his thumb in three places, I guess would be the better way to put it. And he's got a huge cast on his hand. He didn't practice on Thursday, but he says he wants to try and play through it. If if he can't go, uh, Kisten Solak mentioned this on the, on their last podcast as well. You could be looking at middle linebacker Nate Gary. Uh. Uh, I mean, that's what we're looking at here. I, and I like Bradham at the at the mic. I think he I think he played well there last year in Hicks's absence. But if it doesn't sound like Hicks is going to be back anytime soon, now you're dealing with his replacement at middle linebacker who basically can only has the functional use of one hand. This is not ideal BLG far from ideal. And Nigel Bradham, obviously not the best with his hands anyway, when they aren't hurt, right. <laughs> dropping hey, maybe this will help man, you know, maybe. who's to say, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you take, you got to take a step, step back to go forward. Maybe. Exactly. Um, but I mean, man, Nathan Gary starting at middle linebacker, just not not good. I mean, he yeah. that's another big takeaway, and, and Solak wrote about this in the, the recap for Monday on Bleeding Green Nation, but Nate Gary's so bad. Like, he's just terrible. Like, he's out there, <laughs> and every time the defense gives up a big play, like, you can be sure he is involved. He just – and, like, I mean, part of it is kind of predictable, right? I mean, he was a, a safety in college who they transitioned into a linebacker. Like, that's not, you know, this, the smoothest change is not guaranteed to work out. So, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not even necessarily all his fault there. But uh, you, you certainly feel much better about when Kamu Grujay Hill, of course, my, my favorite Eagles Yeah, you linebacker, love your Kamu. I love him. Uh, is is out there, and, and he's making plays. So, that was good to see. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about potentially missing Brad, I mean, it sounds like he'll play. But even if he is in there, part of the concern I have with that, first of all, is the tight ends. I mean, you have Jordan Reed, you know, you're playing him and you're kind of worried about how that's going to look over the middle there. But the run game as well. I mean, the Eagles run defense, which was fantastic last year, historically good in some respects, is not really good this year. And especially lately, I mean, they rank 24th in run defense DVOA by football outsiders. They are 27th in opponent yards per rush attempt. So they're allowing 4.9 yards per carry when the opponent tries to run the ball this year, which is not good. And when you look at what some of these big-name running backs have done, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and I'll I'll lump Wayne Gallman in there because he was productive against the Eagles last week. They have combined for 66 carries for 453 yards, which is a 6.9 average, nice, and four touchdowns against the Eagles in the past three weeks here. That is not good. So uh, the Eagles this week are going up against Adrian Peterson, who has struggled in his last three games. He hasn't looked good. He's he's been dealing with some injury issues. He's 33 years old. He's had a big workload. So and he's also he's he has some fumbles this year. So 
which is an uncharacteristic of him. So I don't know where he's at exactly. But to me, the big concern this week, if I'm the Eagles, and if this guy is healthy, is Chris Thompson. Because to me, Chris Thompson. Oh, he's a nightmare. He's what a dangerous a good player. player. He is. He's, he's in that Darren Sproles mold of a player. Oh, yeah. Uh, who And last year, he had 10 runs for 42 yards, and he had nine receptions for 78 yards and two total touchdowns against the Eagles. So he gave them some trouble. And for you know a team that might be missing some linebackers and is already struggling in run defense and with these pass-catching running backs, that is a big concern for me this week. Yeah, no, because I don't think Washington has wide receivers that really scare you. I, no. I think this this is a game where the secondary I, I, is a game they can – this is a, an offense they can survive against. And I, I think you're right. Chris Thompson is a huge X factor for this Washington team because he can they can line him up in the slot. They can – they, he's a great receiver out of the backfield, and he can he can run it if you hand it off to him, you know, seven to eight times a game. He's he's not a fifteen to twenty carry a guy game or anything like that, but you know, six, seven, eight times a game as a spelling Adrian Peterson, you can you know Thompson can do some damage there. Early in the season, Washington's offensive line was was you know eating people up, but they've been suffering some injuries too over the last few weeks. And this Washington offensive line is not quite what it was earlier in the season, which is also cut into some of Adrian Peterson's numbers. Yeah, Washington's offensive line. So they're missing both of their starting guards, uh, Brandon Scherf and Sean Laval, both on IR. Um, Trent Williams and Morgan Moses are both playing. They're starting tackles, but they're they're both banged up. I think uh, Trent Williams has been – we're talking about Nigel Bradham having cast. Trent Williams had this big kind of cast on his left thumb that, he's, that he, uh, caused him to miss some time. And Morgan Moses hasn't missed playing time, but he's dealing with an MCL sprain in his knee as well, just like Lane Johnson is. So those guys are certainly banged up. And, you know, that's a, that's a big thing that's going to have to happen this week is that defensive line is going to have to control the line of scrimmage there and kind of limit down on some of these Washington run opportunities. Because, look, I mean, if you're Washington, you're not giving the ball to Colt McCoy and saying, hey, go win us the game. <laughs> you're you're going to try to get the run going and make life easy on him and try to pass as few times as you can with Colt McCoy. Uh, so, like to me, you know, it's going to be super important, again, to win up front here. I mean, like you look at Colt McCoy's numbers, uh, to, just to kind of give you more context exactly who this guy is. Obviously, you know he's not good. He's not starting. He's a backup for a reason. He's 7-19, 26 games. He's completed 60.3% of his career attempts for uh, 5,908 yards, 29 touchdowns, 26 interceptions, and a passer rating of 78.6. So to put some of those stats in perspective, his 6.6 yards per attempt this year would rank 32nd out of 35 quarterbacks, and the same goes for his completion percentage and his passer rating. So clearly, towards the bottom of the league, he's bad. And in addition to his 26 interceptions – he has 20 career fumbles, so that's 46 <laughs> turnovers total, or interceptions and fumbles. Not all of them are technically turnovers because he recovered some of the fumbles, but that's 46 in 38 games. So to me, you know, that tells me Colt McCoy is going to turn the ball over if you give him the opportunity to, and that's, you know, the opportunity to do that is to make him and make Washington have to pass. And, you know, for an Eagles defense that hasn't had a lot of takeaways this year, I mean, some of that's their fault because they're not getting – the other team into position where they're going to have to make more aggressive throws and riskier throws where turnovers can happen. But, you know, I think some of it to some extent is probably bad luck too. And you're probably due for some positive regression in the turnover department. And maybe that comes this week. Uh, Again, McCoy last week threw some terrible, terrible throws 
against the Dallas mm-hmm. defense. And I think maybe we could see some of that this week if this Eagles pass rush can kind of take advantage and force him into some of those bad plays. Yeah, I mean, some of those interceptions last week, it wasn't like he was tossing up 50-50 jump balls and guys were making plays. He was he was just thrown to the wrong team a couple of times. It, it, he looked completely out of whack. And you know, like you mentioned, the Eagles have really had trouble getting turnovers this year, really had trouble getting interceptions. They got a big one by Malcolm Jenkins against the Giants as the Giants were really looking to put the game away. They put that game away if they score there, I think. And that really was the turning point of that game last week. And we just haven't seen that from this team. It was such a, a bucket of cold water on, 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 on the top of your head with, with noticing how, how devoid this team has been of game-changing turnovers. And we talked about it going into the Jacksonville game, how Blake Bortles would be a good opportunity for the Eagles to get some turnovers, and that didn't happen. We talked about it going into the, the Cowboys game with Dak Prescott, and that didn't happen. And so we're talking about it now again with with McCoy. This should be, even with a depleted Eagles secondary, McCoy should be a guy that this team can get after. The defensive line can really have a solid game going against a weakened Washington offensive line. And surprisingly, the Redskins were aggressive with McCoy last week, passing the ball a lot on first down, seeming to try and not wanting to miss a beat with Alex Smith out. I really do wonder, BLG, if they're going to change their tune this week against Philadelphia because if I'm... If I'm Washington, I'm not. I'm not trying to win the game on the arm of Colt McCoy. I'm not doing that. Well, I thought uh, Ben Solak had an interesting point on one of these Kiss and Solak episodes here about how you know he kind of liked how Washington was being aggressive with McCoy because you're probably you know he's bad anyway. So maybe you you do want to take some shots and see what you can hit because uh, you're probably not going to just win with being super conservative. But at the same time, yeah, I mean you, you can't put the like the game. You know, in his hands, the whole game. Like he's, it's not going to yeah. carry the team to victory. Uh, you, you want to take your shots, and ideally, I think the way you want to do that is to mostly rely on the run, and you know, get some play action involved there, and take some shots down the field. That would be great for them if you're Washington to have happen. But um, I, I think another thing that you'll have to worry about here, kind of a little bit, is McCoy does have some mobility. He's not just a statue back there in the pocket. He might be able to scramble away from some of the pressure, but he's also a player who takes sacks. I mean, in the small sample size this year, he has been sacked five times on 50 throws. So that's 10% of his attempts this year. Uh, and he's a smaller guy. He's six foot one, 220 pounds. It's not like he's you know built like Carson or, or Cam. He's not like one of these big guys hard to take down. Like if you can get on him, hopefully, you know, you should be able to bring him to the ground there. So that's going to be key this week, kind of just containing him, making sure he's not running around, making plays, extending plays, throwing out of the pocket there. Um, that's going to be it's, it's going to be important. You don't want to you know get in a situation where suddenly Colt McCoy becomes Joe Webb, <laughs> right? Exactly. Of 2018 and just becomes like inexplicably uh, a really good player for some reason on Monday Night Football. I mean, I'm not majorly concerned about that happening, but I mean, I think back to a couple years ago when McCoy I think went into Dallas. It was a Monday Night Football, and he won a big game for the Washington back then. And uncharacteristic, yeah. uncharacteristically, too. I mean, 2014, Washington um, was not super great. And Dallas went to the playoffs that year, and they were good. So it can happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Let's flip the script, and let's look at the Eagles' offense against the Washington defense. And it'll be interesting to see how committed the Eagles stay to the run. Uh, in the first half last week, they didn't they were passing the ball more than they were running the ball. And then it just kind of started to click. Josh Adams started to get some regular touches and we saw he was running hard. Um, 
and there's statistic I saw online. This uh, I came actually saw this today. The Eagles are five and zero this year when they run the ball twenty five times or more. Zero and six when they run it less than that. And Washington's run defense DVOA is twenty sixth in the NFL. So this would lead you to believe that focusing on the run game once again is an avenue the Eagles at least should explore. But at the same time, BLG. There, there's got to be a balance, and you can't force the run either. If they're stacking the box all game, especially to start, you know, you've got Carson Wentz, and you've got some talented, you, you do have some talented pass catchers. You should be able to move the ball on this Washington team passing as well. I just wonder, how, how much do you think we're going to see something similar to last week, a similar balance, or do you think this is, we, we start seeing old Doug again where we're chucking it every other, every, you know, every three plays out of four? Yeah, and obviously there's some correlation, causation issues with the run stats because, of course, there of is. course you're going to. You run more when you lead yeah, and all like that that's stuff. Always, yeah. I just, that always happens like every year. It's like, oh, if you just run the ball more, that'll, you know, it's magically the Eagles will win. I mean, yeah, ideally, but it's not always that simple. Uh, in this case, I do think the Eagles will continue to run the ball a little bit more than they have earlier in the season just because, you know, it worked last week and their offense has been struggling. You would think they would go back to it. Now, that being said, Carson Wentz did put up some pretty big numbers against Washington's defense last year. I mean, in those two games, he completed 76% of attempts for 575 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 113.7 passer rating. I mean, that yeah, was good. that performance last year on Monday Night Football was crazy. Like, I was there yeah, watching it, it live. I couldn't <laughs> believe what my eyes were seeing, especially when he threw that pass to Corey Clement and the touchdown, which was his play that he put into the playbook. I mean, I was just like, come on. How can this guy not be MVP this year? It was ridiculous. So, I don't know if he's going to be able to make those same kind of plays on Monday night here, but I would, you know, I have some kind of hope that he might, maybe there's something in Washington's defense that he's able to have success against. If not, you had mentioned here, John, that this Washington run defense is worse than the Eagles in terms of DVOA. They rank 26th while the Eagles are 24th. Um, so, and you look at what some of these running backs have done in the past four weeks against Greg Minuski's defense here. I mean, Zeke, Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, Peyton Barber, Tevin Coleman, and Ido Smith, they all combined for 90 carries, 42 yards, so 5.1 average, and two touchdowns. So you should be able to to move this ball on the ground. I think Washington's front is better than what you know New York had to offer last week. Uh, they have some players who are tougher in that regard for sure. And you know, I don't know if Josh Adams is you know, he's an undrafted rookie. <laughs> like. You can't get expectations yeah. too high here. I don't think, you know, he's not like. Yeah, I saw people, I saw people talking about, you know, do you even need to go get a running oh, back next on. year now that you've got, I mean, let's, let's everybody take your, you know, let's pump the brakes here a little and that's bit. That's not even us hating Josh <laughs> Adams. Like, I, I like Josh no, Adams. No, I love Josh Adams. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, one game. Uh, and hopefully they do go back to him. I, I, it was great to see him get, you know, what? He had 22 carries against the Giants. Um, I would love to see him. I love to see the team stick with him, especially if it's working. Like, why not? Like, stick with the hot hand. And I, I think hopefully the Eagles do that. They don't try to, you know, just mix everything around. I mean, you should get Corey Clement some touches. He he was productive last week. Hopefully, maybe yep. get him a little bit more involved in third down because that's probably you know where he's what he's offering you uh, best right now. You know, it's not like you're you're counting on Josh Adams to be a third down back. You know, he's, he doesn't really. He's not proven as a receiver by any means, and he's not probably the most experienced player as a, a pass protector. So that's a good spot to get Corey, or unless Sproles is ready. <laughs> yeah, got right, right. Can't even assume that. Like, 
I will believe. You, you, I will believe. He's it gonna I blow see his it. hamstring out in practice tomorrow. Or pregame warmups. I mean. Like he can make it to pregame. <laughs> yeah, right. So like I am not. Like I'm not. You know, counting on him to be even if he's like fully ready and cleared. Like if they say that, I'm just not believing it until I see it on the field. So um, that's that's where they're at. I mean, they, they have an opportunity to run here. They got to get it done. I think looking also at the passing game here, I, I think they just – listen, I know you traded a third-round pick to get Golden Tate, but I, they got to stop trying to force-feed him the football. This team does best when they're running out of, out of two tight end personnel and three tight end personnel. They, He's soaking up targets that Alshon Jeffrey would be getting right now. Jeffrey has been – Jeffrey was a monster after he came back uh, from, from his injury, and he's been kind of a forgotten guy lately. You know, I, it's I, I'm not sure exactly – why the the focus has shifted away from him but i know zacherts is continuing to get a lot of touches dallas goddard is good in both the run game and has made some some nice plays receiving as well and you, you, nelson aguilar had a big catch towards the end of the game last week and you know it's just tate just feels like he's kind of in the way at the moment the the offense can move the ball up and down the field a little bit and i just wonder if maybe they just need to get away from tate and just say hey listen we, we kind of screwed this up. I mean, I guess you got to try and keep him involved somehow, but it just feels like the offense is is even bumpier since he came on board, especially early. Wouldn't it be nice if, like, Golden Tate could make a play within the flow of the offense? I think that's what you're kind of yes. talking about here. Like, they're not – it's not natural, his touches. Like, they're very yes. forced. It's like, all right, hey, we're going to get the ball to Golden Tate here as opposed to, like, okay, this is the play. These are your options, you know. One of your options here could be Golden Tate getting open, and if he is, take the shot. And it hasn't been like that, and that would be great to see because I think that's probably you know where he would be at best when he's just in the flow of the offense. He's getting open over the middle of the field. Maybe you're even like checking down to him uh, after you're seeing your other options aren't there, and all of a sudden he gets a short catch, maybe short of the sticks on third and five, let's say, and he makes some people miss, and he gets the first down. Like that's in, what in my head, like I envision the ideal golden tate experience to be like something like that where you know he's helping out this offense in key situations and he's able to make use of those kind of league best yards after the catch skills and we haven't seen that it's always just been very like force feeding him touches and it's clearly not working so i think they have to well and and he almost he almost created a couple of turnovers oh uh, last week too yeah. trying to do too much. He he's really trying over. to do too on much that, on that punt return by the way yeah like, i thought that was a fumble, was a fumble. <laughs> yeah it was a fumble and like no one talked about it i was just like yeah well all right yeah he fumbled like, yeah, uh, no doubt about that's it not good um <laughs> so so yeah just to to have him like just be more organically incorporated into the offense i know it's challenging as micro would very much tell us um but yes, it would be yes. great to see and you know yeah, I, like that's the thing. Like this Tate trade has really tanked the offense as a whole. It's not just about like bringing him in here and he hasn't been able to produce. Like, I don't think that suddenly means Golden Tate is a bad player. I think it's totally just like what you have in the situation is kind of bad for everyone. Like he's not able to produce because they're they're force feeding him touches and he's not really able to to do much about it. Um, and then you have Alshon Jeffrey not getting incorporated as much, which sucks. It sucks in a big way. I mean, you're paying Alshon Jeffrey to be a number one wide receiver. And, like, okay, I know, you know, that bringing Tate in here is going to potentially, you know, decrease some of his targets. But it it seems like they're not even – the targets Alshon still is getting 
probably aren't aggressive as they can be. You know what I mean? Like when, where are we seeing a deep shot to Alshon or, you know, an intermediate like jump ball play to Alshon? Like we're not even seeing that. So um, that's, and that's where coaching comes in in part. Like, I was going to say, is that play calling? Is that coaching? Or is that Carson? Because we know Carson will 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 try and fit a ball in a tight window to Alshon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's I think that feels like play calling to me. I it's, I think it is. I mean, I think if he's not getting involved routinely week after week, like he can't just be the player. Like he can't just be he's not getting open. And again, it doesn't really matter. Like open or not, it doesn't matter. Like that's why you got Alshon Jeffrey. You didn't get him because he's going to get wide open all the time like that's that's not his skill set yeah you got him right. so you can make some contested catches give him a chance and we're just not really seeing those those opportunities so that's frustrating well let's um i know this uh this uh cowboy saints game is winding down as we finish up this podcast here, oh, but boy. uh before we run out of time uh let's go over a couple other uh nfl matchups here this week blg and give a couple of picks and uh, maybe by the time we're done that, we'll we'll have a resolution on this uh, Saints-Cowboys game as we're recording here on Thursday night. And uh, we'll start off uh, with the Chargers at the Steelers, BLG. The Steelers, with coming off a tough loss to the Denver Broncos last week, a really entertaining game, I thought. Um, and uh, uh, Phillip Rivers for, for uh, I can't even say San Diego, for L.A. right now is just playing some really terrific football. But the Steelers are favored by three and a half points at home against San Diego. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers. I think, you know, people are going to be a little bit down on them just because they lost in Denver last week. I mean, Denver quietly is like ninth or seventh in DVOA. Like they're oddly not that bad. Actually, They look good. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching them play. They Case Keenum had a, it looks like he directed the offense pretty well and they, they look pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think that's like a total indictment on the Steelers. It's still a close game too. Uh, Denver actually sixth in DVOA. That's crazy. Their, their defense is third oh. overall. The offense is ninth. This is running game is so good. Um, yeah. I'm going to take the Steelers here. They're back at home. The chargers are perennial chokers. I, I like the chargers. They but are. like they, when do they come up big in big spots? They don't, and I'll just take the Steelers here. I think they they rebound at home. I am I one hundred percent agree. I think the Steelers rebound at home as well. Three and a half points. I think uh, I think the Steelers can can cover that uh, pretty easily. And I I'm not a believer in Philip Rivers in a big game, um, especially on the road like this. Uh, I'll take the Steelers absolutely. Um, next game I have on here: the Bears are four point favorites on the road at the Giants, and uh, I'll pick this one first. You know, I think, I, I are we getting, is, is it Chase Daniel this week again, or is Trubisky supposed it's to be Chase. back for, for this one? It is one? Chase. Okay. So, you know, Chase Daniel going into New York against the Giants. The Giants know their season's over right now. Odell Beckham was trying to convince the team that the Giants could run the table and they'd be back in the playoff hunt. Well, that's, that's done, and the Bears' defense should absolutely swallow Eli Manning and the Giants offense alive, even even Saquon Barkley. I so four point a four point favorite on the road is a lot for a Chase Daniel quarterback team, but I gotta take the Bears in this one, BLG. Yeah, the Bears defense is to me is legit. <laughs> I think you know, oh, yeah. the Eagles employing, you know, Cravon LeBlanc and Devontae Bosby and uh who else? I can't even remember. Um, last week, Chandon oh, yeah. Sullivan. Uh, Sullivan. Chandon like, Sullivan. They kind of limit the the Giants' offense. I mean, why can't the Bears' defense and Vic Fangio and those guys? And I think Chase Daniel's solid. Like people, people hate on Chase Daniel, and I'm not about to stand for Chase Daniel here. But I like, I really don't think he's bad, as bad at least as people make him out to be. I'm not saying he's good, but like, he's he's fine enough. He like he, he you can win games with him. He's two and 
one as a starter in three games now. He's not going to win you the game on his back. But, I mean, he can get you through a game, and that's what he did for the Lions on Thanksgiving. And I think he'll be able to do that against a bad Giants team in this spot. All right, and the last game we're going to look at here, BLG, is the Vikings at the Patriots. This should be a good game. Vikings right now, I think, are the top NFC wildcard team at the moment, uh, the way the standings fall. And the Patriots, of course, leading the AFC East. Man, New England's been very quiet this year, BLG. Five-point favorites the Patriots are in this one against Minnesota. Uh, they've got uh, Rob Gronkowski back. Uh, it looks like uh, the, he and Tom are, are hooking up again. And, um, you know, they're flying under the radar with Kansas City and L.A. And, and New Orleans getting all the headlines and Pittsburgh. And right now the Patriots are probably on paper the third best team in the AFC. But I don't know that I wouldn't pick the Patriots on a neutral field against Kansas City. And I don't I don't know that I wouldn't pick the Patriots on a neutral field right now against against Pittsburgh either. So... In this particular game at home against the Vikings, Kirk Cousins going into New England, I I'm, I don't see Kirk Cousins going into New England and beating the not only beating the Patriots, I don't think it's a I don't think they're able even to to stay within the five points. I'll take the Patriots to cover this. Wow, one. you're just really turning on your boy. Why don't why don't you think Cousins can I'm, hang with Brady and <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm with well, you. Though. Yeah, shut up. Yeah. I'm I'm on the same page. We're we're no ringing the bell this week. We're pretty much on the same page, unless I guess here for the what I presume is the final game. The final game, the Eagles uh, Washington Cowboys. Redskins at or, your sorry, Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, yes, I think yes, that's yes. right. Yeah, Eagles versus Washington. Uh, yeah, the Eagles are six and a half point favorites in this one. BLG against a a Washington team that comes in here with a better record than Philadelphia. I wouldn't expect Washington to be a favorite here, but six and a half seems like a seems like a pretty big spread here. What, what, what are your thoughts? Do you want me to go first with a prediction, or do you want to go first? I'll let you week? go first. All right. Um, so I want this team to have momentum. I want to believe that this game is capable of winning two games in a row. I'm, I want to believe that, that Carson Wentz is, is capable of leading this offense, leading this passing game, to actually putting up more than just 22, 24 points. Because there is talent on this offense, BLG. They don't have the same kind of talent they did last year. They don't have the kind of running game that they did last year. Josh Adams definitely showed a little something last week. They need balance. It doesn't need to be 50-50. It can be 60-40, even 65-35. But it's there's there's got to be some kind of run game to take the pressure off of Carson Wentz. Cars, they need to get away from Golden Tate and stop trying to force him the football. Get Alshon Jeffrey the seven or eight targets he needs. Get the ball to Zach Ertz the way they normally do. I, I think that this is a game the Eagles can win. Imagining Colt McCoy coming into Lincoln Financial Field on Monday Night Football and beating the Eagles gives me shivers. I don't think the Eagles will will cover the six and a half points, but I do think they'll win this football game, BLG. I do think this Philadelphia team is capable of winning two games, two home games in a row against divisional opponents. I'll take the Eagles 27 to 24. How about just two games at all? Something two games at all would be fine to too. Absolutely. Two, two games in a row. Um, big challenge. I mean, that'd be nice to see. Um, one of my biggest concerns in this game is Ryan Kerrigan. That guy Ugh. always troubles the Eagles. In 14 career games against the Eagles, Kerrigan has 10 and a half sacks. He has 11 tackles for loss. He's 18 hits. He has six forced fumbles. He's two pass deflections. He's one interception and one defensive touchdown. That guy is a beast. Jeez. 
I was doing a question and answer exchange with Hoggs Haven this week, and I was like, if there's one player I could have from Washington's defense, it would be him. First of all, just so the Eagles don't have to face him. Second of all, because he is a great player, uh, and it would be great to have him here, especially, again, my concerns about this Eagles pass rush. But I do think the pass rush will be able to get to McCoy on Monday night. You know, the crowd noise, I expect, too, to help out with that. Uh, I think getting Sidney Jones and Rizul Douglas back isn't like, wow, the secondary is fixed and they have all these studs in there. But I think it, you know, having them over Chandon Sullivan, who, with all due respect, I like Chandon Sullivan's potential in the preseason. I think he might be able to be something down the road, but he's undrafted Ricky Free at a Georgia State and he looks like it. Just not ready to play <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. So uh, I think that'll help a little bit getting that back. I think, you know, there's some hope for the offense if the run game can get going. And I think, again, as we laid out, this Washington run defense isn't necessarily spectacular here. So I think they'll be able to get some stuff done. Uh, I go back to that stat I mentioned at the top of the show. Washington's 0-5 when their opponents have scored more than 17 points. If the Eagles can cross that threshold, history says, in a very small sample size, (laughs) that they could be able to win. So uh, I I think it's crazy still that they're even favored by 7 that is, which is as high as it is in some places. I see six at Bovada, but I still see seven elsewhere. Uh, like if you can get seven, like if, you're, if, you're, if you can get Washington getting seven points, to me, that's a pretty easy call. I just don't see how you can have that much faith in the Eagles where you can just be like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to win by yeah. more than a full touchdown. Right, like right, I, right. Can't, I can't see that right now. So I like the points, but I will take the Eagles to win in this game. And I'll say they win by hmm, – say 20 to 23 okay similar score similar score i think you got a little bit larger spread than i do but we both think the eagles figure out a way to uh, get to six and six on the season and as we're recording this blg uh dallas just fumbled as they were in <laughs> field goal range to go up oh, 16 man. to 10 late in the fourth quarter so new orleans has the ball and uh they're going to have an opportunity to score here at the end of the football game, just as we are wrapping up. Uh, B- this is good podcasting. Here. Oh, this yeah. Is what, this is what people are listening to BGN Radio for, just the the live the reaction to something that already happened. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's the beauty of this format. Absolutely. Well, obviously, a Cowboys loss here uh, means a lot to the Eagles, but it doesn't kill their chances if the Cowboys win, but certainly this is a game that – uh, we had penciled in as an L uh, next to the Cowboys because the schedule. Well, yeah. I will say I was I was feeling a little bit uneasy about this one heading into this game. Mm. Uh, not enough to pick them, unfortunately, in the BGN picks. I was tempted because I wanted to go for the jinx, you know? Yeah. Because like, hey, I'll let my record take a hit. By the way, I'm second in the BGN picks this nice. year. Only one spot behind uh, Jim. Jim Keen, who was number one. It's a, it's a tough race down the stretch. No one cares. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I was tempted to take them. I did take the Cowboys with the points in, in my uh, picks against the spread this week. Because okay. they're getting 8.5 at home. That's crazy. Like, and it's like, that's, as good know, as they were playing. Got a yeah. home dog. Yeah. So, and I just knew they were going to do something fluky. But uh, as we're talking right now, it is 13 to 10. And as he said, you know, Drew Brees has the ball. Uh, there's 2.15 left on the clock. And Saints just threw an interception. Or so, yep, there's probably there's probably how <laughs> oh, I could not have worked any worse. Come on, man. All right. Well all right, so it, that's just awful. I mean, come on. That's awful. Drew Priest, come on. The, I mean the the Saints were due for a game where they didn't play well. I mean they were just they were playing too good. They were due for a game on the road against a good team where they where they didn't play well. And right now, Dallas is in the driver's seat in the NFC East. So um, if the score holds, the Eagles will not 
there's no way the Eagles can be in a tie for first place if they beat Washington. But getting ahead of Washington, kind of getting a leg up on Washington after Monday night would be a huge deal. Um, their season's not over if they lose to Washington necessarily, but it sure at this point, at that point, really does put it on life support. So we will see what happens here on Monday Night Football with the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles. BLG, any final thoughts before we wrap up, my friend? Uh, that's one big final thought for you. Um, <laughs> as always, say it every week, but appreciate the iTunes reviews. It's been great for the relaunch. Uh, reviews, ratings and reviews. I just want to make, I, I feel like, those things kind of get blurred. Now, the rating, you know, is easy to give. It's five stars. It's simple. It takes like a second. If you're not doing it, like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> it, it is much quicker to do than to listen to this podcast. So, just go do it. It's easy. We appreciate it. Five stars. Um, the review, now, I get that takes a little bit more time. You have to write something out. But it doesn't have to be a paragraph. Like, yeah. you, you don't have to be some, some master writer like John here. Just, you know, a <laughs> sentence like, hey. Really love this podcast. Keep up the good work. Like that's great to leave a little, you know, a little thought. We appreciate it. Or if you don't like something, like you don't like me rambling about how reviews and ratings are different and how that's important, <laughs> uh, then you can write about that. I'll appreciate it just the same, or, or I'll take the criticism to heart, and then I won't have to say it as much if you do it. So uh, appreciate the support as always, even though it's been quite the disappointing Eagles season. It could be worse. Mm -hmm. it could, you know, it could, it could always be worse, but it could also be a lot better. So yep. disappointing, but uh, at least we always have each other. That's what I come down to. At least we have each other, right? Like you're not going through this alone. That's you're not right. going through the Eagles losing and the Cowboys inexplicably probably beating the Saints here alone. You're doing it with all your fellow Eagles fans. And I think that makes it a little less worse. You probably don't want to admit that. It still hurts. It still sucks. But it takes the edge off a little bit, at least I feel like. So come join us and commiserate no matter what happens on, on Monday Night Football and uh, all week long as uh, Kist and Solak do their awesome stuff. And we've got some some new shows as well. The Sco Show has been really awesome so far here um, over these last few weeks. So lots of great stuff on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Subscribe, rate, review, like Brandon said. And, uh, folks, that'll do it for episode number 25 of BGN Radio. For Brandon Lee Gowton, I am John Stolnes. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.